Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, Visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Welcome to Blood and Mud Rugby Podcast. Uh, the podcast that, that had its first ever massage this weekend, Josh. Well, this half really? of the podcast did. I'm Lee, by the way, and I had my first massage this weekend. And over there is... <laughs> uh, I'm Josh, and I didn't have a massage this weekend. Have you had a massage or a number of them in your life, Josh? Um, not in a... Um, like, not a proper one by a masseuse or anything, no. Uh, well, me and my wife went to a, very good. a spa hotel... Mm-hmm. And it was one of those packages where you got a bit of dinner in a room and, a, and, yeah, a, and two treatments, treat, yeah, treatments yeah. and that. And I said, well, I'll have a massage. I've never liked the idea of it. I don't particularly have the desire to be mithered with. No, nope, You know what I mean? Same. Yeah. So I thought, but I'll give it a go. And I'll be honest, it was it was okay. I felt slightly more relaxed afterwards, although I still can't quite get my head around the whole time. I don't find it that relaxing because I'm going, there's a strange young woman putting her hands all over me. Yeah, right and that, and that is not cause... honestly. It sounds like it should be pleasant, but it isn't. No, I completely agree. Like, I mean, I've had, um, I've had some physio on like my shoulder and my back and my knee at various times in my life, but mm. that was anything but sexy, to be honest. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing. Other than medical interventions, no other stranger touches you in that way, unless you're paying for some other kind of service, I imagine. Yeah. But let's not go down that road. But, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. generally speaking, it's a doctor. But it's in that it? ballpark, and that's why it's weird. I think I that's feel. what it was. Like, it was like this. Not this... a million miles away from that. Well, it is, that's... I suppose. I don't want to do down masseuses because it it's not is that. far but away from it. But... Me lying there, I just kept thinking, ooh, oh, oh, ooh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I just, so yeah. no, it's not for me, I don't think. So I won't Maybe be rushing out to spend right money on it seats. again, put it that way. No. 
Uh, we are on uh, Twitter. I am on Twitter at Blood and Mud or Lee at Blood and Mud dot com. Let me know if you find massages a little bit too icky because I certainly did. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, so, uh, what about you, Josh? Where are you? Uh, no, I definitely on, on, on the. How where do I stand on <laughs> if I find massages? Well, massages we've been through that. Yeah, where yeah, where do people did, find yeah. you? Where do ma- where do uh, masseuses find you? If they want to change your mind, Josh. Uh, at Josh Gardner at RugbyShitWatch RugbyShitWatch dot com. Uh, I'm going to take a lot of convincing. I'll have it with you. We are on Acast and iTunes and pod places. Put podcast in. Just search pod us. You'll find people, us. Pod people. It's fine. Tell your friends to have a look for us. Um, we're also on patreon.com slash blood and mud. Thank you, everybody who's joined us this yeah. week. The VIP lounge is settling down now to a nice, steady crowd. Not many people uh, more joining. Know, it's, it's post-World Cup now, isn't it? It's the, it's the, the real the hardcore are still in, you know, everybody else has, has gone home from the World Cup and it's just the regulars that are staying yeah. in there. I need to give a big shout out though, Josh. We need to give a big shout collectively, out. Collectively. Collectively. Yes. To to lovely listener CK, Catherine Kavanagh, mm-hmm. who's given us, through the page, has given us a little bit of a Christmas bonus this week. Oh, that's very nice. Isn't that lovely? That is nice. Completely not asked for, even less deserved Absolutely. But even so, she she wanted to uh, to to, uh, to do so. So thank you so much, and thank you to everybody who's contributed all this year. We're doing one more episode before Christmas, aren't we? We'll probably be on the uh, Sunday next yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, probably will. Yeah, and then we'll see how we lie after Christmas. So that's that. Thank you very much, everybody. If you want to join up, it's going to cost you two dollars to get ad-free episodes plus all the extra bonus stuff: rugby history, yeah. rugby life, retrospective I mean, pods I- about World Cups and things. Yeah, and because of a baffling spike in the uh, British currency this week, that now costs you less than it did a couple it of weeks ago. Because it's so, in the dollars, know. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because somebody thinks there's some good news about, obviously. So there you go. Somebody, yeah. Um, or there's the five dollar VIP lounge where you get a special shout out on here as well. So thank you very much. Indeed. Now then, shall we do a player spotted as we always do? We better add. I didn't actually spot any players this week in my uh, in my travels, which I know is a is a a first recently, as I've it been is. seeing in left, right, and centre. Spotting, I mean, non-stop. I did. <laughs> I mean, I was in London today, and I did see that bloke who used to do the BT adverts, and was also in that. Was it your family? Oh, the Chris right Henshaw. Chris. Chris Henshaw. Yeah, Chris. He was in Love yeah. Actually as the weird lad who went to America. Absolutely, he was. What's his name? Chris with a K. I remember that much. Yes. Uh, him, right? You know how on all the things that he's in, he always seems like he's like very tall and lanky. Yes, like tiny little man. Really? I, I mean, how small I'm... are the other actors now? I'm, it exactly. must be like Munchkin <laughs> Land like, out there. Yeah, you're you're like the fucking lurch of this situation. So <laughs> I, I don't understand how Chris Marshall. There Chris he Marshall, is. not yeah. Chris Henshaw. I was nearly there. Oh. Weirdly, Chris Marshall, according to Wikipedia, is from Bath, and yet I saw him outside Paddington Station today. So you know, there's there's a joke in there somewhere. I'm struggling there to is. know what it yeah. is, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I can't be bothered. Anyway, crack on. Right then. So player spotted, Linda Mason, lovely patron who we met at Judgment Day, indeed, with a lovely husband actually. Indeed. Um, he, she reaches out over the Patreon messaging service, although she didn't think that she had. She was very confused by the whole thing. So well done, Linda. So she says. I joined Paul O'Connell in the queue at Gatwick Ooh. for my Ryanair flight to Shannon for the Munster racing game a few weeks ago. He was lovely and told us all the good pubs to go to in Limerick. I decided I had yeah. to go, I, I had to get a photo 
as or else no no one would believe me. She said, but believe it or not, I have never taken a selfie. So he very kindly had to take the phone <laughs> from me and take one of both <laughs> of us for me. Good lad. That's magnificent, Linda. Can I have a selfie? <laughs> yes. Could you please do it? Because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so you've I've never done a selfie before. Have you, have you had a massage before, Linda? I bet you have. Yeah, but, uh, probably, yeah. It's an episode of first this week, Josh. It certainly is. So fair news, Paul O'Connell, doesn't surprise me, Paul O'Connell, nice lad, will help you with a selfie. That doesn't, that, that's right on brand, I think. Absolutely it is, yeah. Now then, moving forward, shall we talk about some news? Yeah. Well, there's only yeah. one really big bit of news that's hit the uh, wires, is that what they call yeah. it, uh, this today? Yes, the, old, the press wires. Which is um, permanently confused, full-fat coke-swigging, assistant coach and all-round yep. Woody lookalike, Rob Howley, who looks a bit like Hank Williams as well, I've noticed from watching me Ken Burns' <laughs> country programme. Um, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Fantastic. The only thing better than country music, Josh, is a 10-hour documentary on country music by Absolutely. Ken Burns, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, Rob Howley has been suspended for 18 months from participating in all rugby, but they've nine months now, nine months suspended. And also yes. it includes the three months he's already done. So he's effectively out for the rest of this season. He can't have any involvement in rugby for the rest of the yes. season. Yeah. Insert your own joke about his involvement in rugby thus far. Um, British, indeed. Um, it's, it's, it's basically a very similar uh, level of punishment to what they gave uh, face Joey Barton when he got done for similarly relatively low-level betting offences. So... Did he yeah, get done when he put a, his, his cigar out on somebody's eyeball? Did he get done for that? I mean, Barton? he didn't get done. He didn't get done for that. <laughs> it's far more reason. important to not be betting than doing things like that. Anyway, so yeah. the full judgment has been published and they are giving out no more comments, quote, unquote. It's probably worth looking into some bits of the judgment that are a few pages mm-hmm. long. Agreed. Paragraphs four and five kind of outline a little bit of what this is all about, which is the charge against Mr. Howley is specified in a letter, blah, blah, blah. But it's basically that the betting on the outcome or any aspect of an event by a connected person receiving part or all of the proceeds of such betting. So basically, when you work in rugby, you can't bet on rugby, is the basic regulation, yeah. it would seem. Which I would have thought would have been obvious, but apparently, yes, no. <laughs> so, at the... Paragraph 5 says, At the commencement of the hearing on the night of December 2019, the number of bets specified in the charge was reduced from 364 to 363. <laughs> Which is a... I mean, sure. What I like is Mr. Howley then confirmed that he accepted the charge laid against him without qualification. In the light of Mr. Howley's admission, we indicated that the focus of the remainder of the hearing would be upon determining the approaching its sanction. I do love this idea that they go, right then, it's 364 bets Whoa, whoa, that's completely out of order. I'm not having that. How many should it be then, Rob? 363. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, yeah. (laughs) So basically, 364... Sorry, very important to clarify this. 363 bets over the course of about five years is what they were looking at. Yes, but in in the course of that, basically 1,000... Matches that were 1193 on. matches, was it? Yeah, he's basically doing a lot of accumulators and a lot of including which of... Welsh player is going to score first and all that. That, kind is, of stuff. that is the bit of it that made me go, Oh, that's not good, is it? 
Although um, they have said that they don't think there's anything in that. It is nothing more than him betting well, on thing, it. There's, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing involved in any, you know, it is purely, and they, they, they seem to be perfectly satisfied with this, that, you know, there was no shady betting syndicates involved. There was no... Yeah, he hasn't tipped dodginess. the word to the players. He hasn't to tipped say, anybody. You yeah. know, he's lost. If he has, he, you know, they reckon he lost four grand on it. So he's done a pretty fucking terrible job of being. In. He's lost four grand over five years. I suppose he's not bad yeah. as a betting return. It's not it? bad, yeah. But um, yeah, you know, it's just it weirdly. Seems... What's interesting is it came from Betway. Yeah, he said he betted across a number of companies, but it was the guy at Betway who tipped. He'd, obviously, they've got a responsible gambling department or something. Yeah. Who when tipped them I off? Who tipped them off? I recognise this Robert Howley chap. He does say that, doesn't he? The fact that I've done it from my own work phone in my own name just shows you how little I was trying to cover any of this up, says Rob. Yeah, and it, I think it's it's really like genuinely quite sad and and sort of you know he wasn't he wasn't betting fucking his house. He wasn't. He was betting a few quid on an accumulator or a triple or something like that. And it's just, Mm. it makes it all the more tragic for me, really, that like, you know, whatever you think about Rob Howley's abilities as an attack coach, as as all the sort of stuff, you know, he always seemed like a nice enough bloke. He did. And it's just, and you know, the, the mitigating factors that they've sort of mentioned in the, in the judgment about, you know, how his, sort of recreational betting stepped up a gear when his sister died and all this sort of stuff. Mm. It's it's all just really quite sad. Yeah, this is paragraphs that... 19 to 21 where they talk about mitigation and stuff. They said that having obtained information on the electronic devices and had a chance to interrogate these devices, no material was discover, discovered which incriminated Mr. Howley to an extent greater than that he had already admitted. Because apparently he did come clean and just say, yes, I've been doing this for years and it's just well, yeah, a hobby. It's and... interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that basically <laughs> when the WRU spods turned up at the Wales Hotel in Japan and went, Rob, we need to talk to you about something, he basically was like, oh, this is about my fucking gambling, isn't it? <laughs> is it? Is it the betting, is it? <laughs> is, is, it is it all the... Very unsubtle and yeah. betting that I've been doing on the side for five years. It says, yeah, we should record that in her report the 29th of November 2019, in which she made reference above, Mrs. Patterson. Now, Miss, Mrs. Patterson is the woman, this the ops manager for the WIU. Absolutely. My favourite part yeah, of this whole fucking judgment is the fact that this Miss Patterson that they talk about, like... When they first introduce her, like any good, you know, like any good story, when they introduce this character of Miss Patterson, they don't tell you who she is. <laughs> in the first paragraph of the judgment. In the first paragraph, it just says her role in this will become clear as if as if this fucking yeah. Tolkien or something. This isn't Lord of the fucking Rings. This is a fucking legal judgment. It's like it's a meat cute. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Mrs. Patterson like, and Mr. I, Howley have just bumped into each other yeah. and dropped files on the floor. It adds a sort of level of like, oh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, it made me read on. I wanted to find out <laughs> well, what. Her it turns role out in all she's this just was. the fucking ops manager of the WIU. Yeah, yeah. She's the ops manager of the WIU, which, to be honest with you, would have worked in less words than, and her role will become clear <laughs> yes. later. Mrs. Patterson, bracket, bracket, ops manager. Ops, ops manager at WIU, yeah. 
uh, anyway, an Mrs. M- the mysterious Ms. Patterson expressed herself to be satisfied of the breach is limited to prohibited betting and that there's no evidence to suggest that Rob Alley has supplied, sourced, or misused any information pertaining to the rugby union. So effectively, he's not used his position to influence any of these bets. He just likes having a bet and he does it on his phone and that's the kind of top yeah, one of it. The, prob- the issue was, I think for me, and the, maybe the thing that made me go, oh, fuck, was the fact that he put a couple of bets on Wales players to be first try scorers. Yeah. Or try scorers at any time. Now, given that he was directly responsible for setting up, you know, for planning the set moves and telling the Wales players which set moves to execute when, that's mm. not good, is it? <laughs> really but apparently like... that's not the case. They've interviewed the players well, yeah, and they, 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 yeah, it's yeah, very it's, clear it's, that's not the case. Um, I think that's why people have been saying that this is an overly harsh ban and all that sort of stuff. It's like, given how slapdash he was with it and how he put himself in a position where he genuinely could have brought rugby into... It's the sheer volume of bets, isn't it? Yeah, it's how much he did it and the fact that he was betting on his own team and his own players. They absolutely have no choice for the the integrity of the game and for the reputation of the game to just Mm. go, this is fucking unacceptable. There's a very long discussion in the judgment, for those of you born enough to read it, about whether it's a high or low level offence, you know, breach, and is QC, Rob Howley's QC, which is weird because it says he wasn't really represented by this QC, but he had him with him. I don't understand that, but anyway. That was weird as well, yeah. He sort of didn't instruct him to make any defence, but he sort of did anyway. He interjected from time to time, yeah. And his wife, Rob's wife, was with him. Um, and it, and he said it's not really a high-level offence, I think, because, you you know, there's not, like you said, there's no collusion with players. There's not a massive amount of money. Nobody's so therefore it isn't. But they, there's a big, long discussion about it. Ultimately, they disagree and say the sheer volume of it over the period of time without being clean, coming clean about it is 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 a bad idea. Yeah. There's an interesting point about the point you said about his sister is that they said, we are satisfied that Mr. Howley made no gains overall from these bets. In fact, the WIU assessed that overall Mr. Howley made losses of approximately £4,000. It's also clear that Mr. Howley's betting on rugby was part of a hobby, in inverted commas, of betting on sporting events. We use the word hobby, in inverted commas, with some caution because it seems that a trigger for Mr. Howley's betting activity was a family tragedy involving the death of his sister, which I didn't know anything about, to be honest. Hmm. Um, but it, basically, it was part of a recreational activity. Um, towards the conclusion, that, paragraph 21, towards the conclusion of the proceedings, Mr. Howley addressed us to stress his remorse for his behaviour and his feelings that he had let down the WIU, his former colleagues in that organisation, and above all, his family. We have no doubt Mr. Howley was entirely genuine about his feelings. He also confirmed to us that he had not bet at all since his suspension on the 16th of September, and that with the help of a consultant psychologist, he was confident he could desist from betting in the future. Um, And a nice thing as well as part of it, um, a nice thing, but in paragraph 36, it talks about the testimony, in terms of his mitigation, it talks about the testimonials he received. Yeah. Uh, just found that paragraph now. We should also record that we've taken full account of the views expressed by a range of character witnesses who have known Mr. Howley at various stages of his life. They are, in any view, impressive testimonials and they demonstrate unequivocally that Mr. Howley has conducted himself both as a renowned international rugby player and as an equally renowned international coach with the utmost professionalism and dedication. The letters from Sir Ian McGeekin, Warren Gatland and Mr. Jonathan Davis, the current international player, are very powerful. Finally, we also record the help and support which Mr. Howley's family provided him and the obvious anxiety and stress these proceedings have brought upon him, and we have taken those matters into account as far as we are able. 
See, that was quite powerful, I think. When he said yeah. Jonathan Davis, I thought it might have been uh, Jiffy. Jiffy, yeah. But apparently they, but they, no, they address that in the appendix and say, we'd like to make the point to Mr. Davis that no, we don't know how many subscribers Premier Sport has got. So that letter wasn't very helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... It, it, I mean, I think it's it's easy to forget what a sort of massive part of a lot of people's enjoyment of sport having a flutter is yes. and how quickly and you know like i've never been that into it personally Me neither. Pro- the odd the I've odd probably, one x on the football yeah i've probably paced about four bets in my life it's like it's not i'm not a sort of i don't give a fuck it's what you know i it's not a moral thing it's just a thing of just like it just doesn't do it for me but my mates from home are Incred, like they will have numerous bets on every sort of sport. They'll have accumulators and all that sort of mm. stuff running on every sporting event, every you know, every football weekend. They'll be betting on something, and it's a huge part of their enjoyment of sport and their recreational lives. Like, and for somebody, and it's I think it's it's particularly in sort of working class Welsh communities, like, and it's in probably in other you know mm. working class communities as well. Like, having a bet is a big old part of people's recreational enjoyment of sport and for somebody like you know Howley was obviously in a position where he was not able to I think he could have placed bets on sport just not on rugby and I'm sure he did place bets on Mm. sport it doesn't make any mention of that because that's nobody's fucking business how much money has he lost betting on you know on the American horse racing yeah yeah on horses or on fucking football or spread in the cricket (laughs) yeah (laughs) but Obviously, gambling addiction is a big old problem for a lot of people, and it can be fucking horribly financially ruinous and relationship ruinous and all of that stuff. And I think it's very positive that there are pains to point out that he is getting some sort of help for it. They don't say he's an addict, do they? And he's obviously not said that. He's not come out and said, I'm an addict. But he's obviously saying, I'm trying to address the fact I do it a lot. Yeah, and I, I think what the way when I read that judgment, it sort of had rings of me of me, you know, as a sort of outside observer looking at my friends because they joke all the time about how they they've got gambling problems, you know, and they only bet like, you know, fifteen twenty quid a week, and it doesn't make any difference to them, but they do do it every week and they joke about it being an issue, and I wonder if Howley's a little bit like that. It's just like. He he's not a gambling addict in that sort of traditional, you know, mm. lose your house, lose your wife, lose your kids sort of way. But there is a compulsive element to it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have fucking bet on rugby and got himself sacked there's, for there's it. There's an element you know? of dependency there that doesn't quite yes. go into addiction. His, his brain and his emotions or whatever obviously want that thing, that the yeah, feeling that 100%. gambling... Because it's all in the brain, isn't it? It's how your brain reacts to things. So there is something about that, I think. But it's... um. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously, just to be very clear, yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because the issue is, of course, is that it's everywhere. You cannot watch any sporting event of any kind online or anywhere else without pop-ups for gambling. I I I still get emails now for the blog saying, will you run this horrible piece with some stuff (laughs) inserted into it? And to be honest, I go back to them now. In fact, I've started ignoring it now, but I go back to them now and say, look, I'm not being funny, but I don't even post anything on there anymore. I'd actually be robbing your money off you and I don't want to do it. I've always been torn about whether... I mean, I've, in, I've done it 
I've taken stuff I've done it. Yeah, I've done gambling it bit, companies. Yeah. And then about about a year ago, maybe a little bit less, I sort of thought about it. And I was just like, I I think it was the last one I posted that was again one of those things where it was this horrendously badly written thing. That I'm I conscious tried. that we could have some inserts for gambling on ACAST that we have no Absolutely. control yeah, over. No but that's, yeah. and like, and like, I don't object to gambling advertising, but it didn't make me feel great having it. No. I level that. I mean, and because I understand that there are people that do have problems. And it's in the same way that if somebody had some other kind of addiction or compulsive problem, they wouldn't be bombard, wouldn't be able to not do anything mm. involving sport. To get away from it you know i've um i have some experience of, of of the world of addiction and um what i can say is it's difficult because what i can say is most of the people i've you know mingle with in this world mm-hmm. advertising makes no fucking difference yeah if you're gonna if you're in it you're in it and they mm. can put an advert up they can't put an advert up it it really it really well People may have different experiences in my experience. So that's what made me think, well, actually, there's plenty of people who do this Positive stuff. You know, it's, it's yeah, it? yeah, but I mean, in terms of if you're an addict, I don't think the advertising makes a great deal of difference, to be honest. By the very point that, for example, you know, illicit drugs are not advertised on the telly, are they? <laughs> but anyway. They're very Moorish, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very. That's <laughs> yes. So <laughs> was it Krusty the Clown? I'm just smelling yeah. the flowers, kids. <laughs> Such expensive flowers. The smell of remorse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's that. Yeah. So just to box it off, finally, in terms of the judgment, he is banned from rugby until next summer. Just to be very yeah. clear what that means, in paragraph 40 they say, our former decision is Mr Howley suspended from playing, training as part of any team or squad, offic- officiating, coaching, selecting, administering, and or otherwise participating or being involved in any capacity in the game of rugby are participating in any function, event or activity that is authorised, organised, sanctioned, recognised or supported in any way by World Rugby, an association, a union or a rugby body. He's Can he actually go to a rugby a club? Can he go to a rugby club? That's what I don't understand with this. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like, could he pop down? Could he pop down to Gen's RFC clubhouse and have a pint on a Saturday night? Yeah. Otherwise, participating or being involved in any capacity in the game of rugby, mm. participating in any it? function, event, or activity that's authorised, organised, and sanctioned by by an association. So he can't go to a dinner. No, can't do any. After could he go to Newbridge Rugby Club's end of season do? Presumably not, because it's, it's organised by. Rule. A rugby body or a union, yeah. I suppose. Or, yeah, or, or basically a... got to have absolutely nothing to do with the sport of rugby until next June, which is, you know, for somebody who has spent every minute of every day in some way involved in rugby since he was a teenager, it's probably going to be pretty fucking horrible, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, and yeah. It's the, yeah. It's, it, it, the jump season will be starting soon, won't it? He can probably yeah, fill true. his time in some way, can't he? One thing I would say, people have said, oh, that's the end of Rob Howley's career. That's the end. It's, it absolutely fucking It wasn't the end of Dean Richards' career. Exactly <laughs> fucking Monday. <laughs> if Dean Richards can be, uh, you know, can get banned for three years for being an actual proper on-pitch cheat. <laughs> in a despicable and, manner. Then, in yeah. a despicable and, and a liar. A lad who's done a quite a lot of accumulators and not even benefited from it does not seem yeah. like it's... Uh... It doesn't seem like, yeah. I think, you know... Howley is going to have to sort of carry this can forever, but 
it absolutely should not be the end of him as as being involved in rugby and as a rugby coach. I hope anyway, because yeah, it's not. You know, I it's, I think the punishment fits the crime, but ultimately, this is not yeah, really it's fair enough. The <laughs> Not nefarious, is it? What's funny is, of course, with everything that's been going on, it was only when my email arrived from the press team in my bot inbox today that I went, oh, yeah, I forgot that was still going on. Yeah. It's not like I'd, I'd kind of forgotten all about it until I got an email yeah. about it today. So, well, not kind of. I yeah. had forgotten all about it. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten about it until I read the news that it had broken. So, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's they've obviously taken a lot of time to get come to the what they believe is the correct decision. So, yeah, I guess I think it's time for everybody to just move on. Yes. Right, so news-wise, that's, speaking of moving on, we will move on in the news to talk about what's... A few people have, have uh, told us about this online, Sean Kerwin being one of them. Farrell, Andy Farrell's one-day mid-season stock take. Everything must go. <laughs> this was in my shit. Like, I mean... So tell if, people what it is. Say, tell people what it is. I, well, what it is is basically a twenty-four hour. I don't know what like mini camp for forty odd players that are not are not in the Irish squad yet, but they might be in the Irish squad for the Six Nations. Like it's, but they've managed to, you know, fair enough doing that, having a sort of keeping in touch day type thing for players that are in the frame, but like they just. Turned the management bollocks up to eleven, you know, a one-day mid-season stock take. It it does sound like something you do when you work in home bargains. See, that's what's making me think: is it actually a stock take? Because when I worked at the supermarket when I was a teenager, and we had to do stock takes, it was a three-line whip. You had to go; you couldn't mm. not be available for stock take. I think day. that's the thing. Yeah. So basically, they're saying, "Well, yeah, you you're coming because we need to we need to count all these shorts." And you will but be I, here to do it. Yeah, the tackle bags need, must be yeah. accounted for. <laughs> I'd love it if that was... John Cooney's turned up bright as a button and then he's got to pair all the socks. Billy Burns is like, yes, I've got a chance of an international recognition here, switching over and all that. <laughs> yep, here we go. What moves do you want me to run through? Oh, no, there's no moves. Oh, no, no, no. Let's think they're not going to Get do over anything. there and test all them pumps. <laughs> they're not going to do any actual rugby in this. It's basically like... 40-plus Irish players are going to have to schlep over to Dublin to basically get some PowerPoint slides. <laughs> Let's be like, this is a textbook example. This is how many of... socks, right, have gone missing, right, through the World Cup camp, and this will not, not be tolerated <laughs> under the Farrell regime, right? But this is a textbook example of a meeting that could have been an email. <laughs> you know, it's like just. Couldn't you do this on Zoom? Can we do? We could do a podcast on Skype. Yeah. Can't they do it that way? We've all been in those meetings where it's like, honestly, mate, you could have just sent two lines of an email here, and you could have spared us all schlepping down from wherever. This is basically all he's doing here is getting them in the room to show them some PowerPoint slides and say, just to let you know, you're in the frame for the Six Nations squad. That is an email and two attachments. Or one Google Doc attachment, if he wants to be clever about it. As somebody pointed out, though, Carty and Hanrahan are not actually in the list. Everybody in the whole of Ireland is on this list. The ghost of Terry Wogan has made this list, and JJ Hanrahan has not. Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) 
there's being out in the cold and then there's not even in the one day mid-season <laughs> stock take one day mid-season stock one day mid-season i mean one I'm... day mid-season stock take followed by one day mid-season fire sale when they get rid of <laughs> all of the stuff they don't need anymore one day, yeah all the stuff they're selling the fire sale the t-shirts with world cup semi-finalists written on Almost. but uh, the um yeah uh, sorry the um yeah, but I mean, what I mean, you have to give some respect because I didn't think there were new things that they could think of to give titles to things. But why yeah. am I so naive to think that there isn't somebody somewhere One you can come up with something new? Mid-season stock take. It's just it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> Come to Garrity Motors for our one-day mid-season stock take. All the Chevrolet <laughs> Tahoes have to go. Anyway, uh, so you've that's been watching that. Friday Night Lights. I have, yeah. So there you go. Um, <laughs> what else have we got? Rob yeah. Baxeter. Rob Baxeter? No, Rob Baxeter has signed a new Axeter deal. Now, Rob Baxeter has signed a new Axeter deal for three years. I think we should call him Rob Baxeter from now on. <laughs> well, he's he, very, he's you know, committed he himself, Exeter doesn't he? Guy. Yes. Yeah. Rob Bexeter has signed a new deal in Exeter. And he says, um, now, the same, a lot of people said, and he said, he's not a career coach and it rules out the England job. I don't think it does that at all. Fucking right, it doesn't. Because what he's done, <laughs> he, all he's done now is guaranteed his club a nice big wedge of money mm -hmm. should he Just go to Just the nice thing to do, let's be honest. Yeah, in a year's time, if England can call, he goes, yeah, all right, but you've got to pay out me two years on this contract to uh, Exeter. Mm. Makes sense. When we mentioned last week about transitional coaches, and we did, we kind of mentioned Rob Baxter possibly in passing. Um, the guy behind Driving Mall from New oh, Zealand, yeah. English guy Paul, is it from New Zealand? He got in touch and said, actually, Rob Baxter, because he got promoted with the squad, of which there are now two left. Stevenson yeah. being one, who's now kind of being moved slowly aside. So we did trans, you know. Yeah, we, we sort of touched on that a little bit, but I don't think we went into it nearly as. as we didn't make a conclusion. We have. I think Driving Mall has come forward with a conclusion, so we're, we're putting yeah. that forward. What other news? What other news? You got any news, or should I move on with mine? Uh, no, I think I'm, I'm newsless. Uh, Ross Moriarty is fit again after saying he might be out for ten years with a strange foreign bug. He's yeah. going to play for the Dragons next week. So it turns I mean, out it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was just a, a needlessly bleak fucking medical release yes. that then, then cleared up in a week. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a special variation of Asian Avarian flu or something. But, uh, <laughs> no, it turns out he <laughs> it turns out he's had some beachums and he's all right. Was it man flu? Of course, it in was. the That's classic, what it was. like you know, I feel he's a big lad, Ross. Out. I bet I he does. A, he makes. I'm going to have at least. A, I'm going to need at least a week off, and then you feel fine this morning. Yeah. Um, and then we'll finally news what well the All Blacks have got a new coach. Oh yeah, Ian I mean, Foster. It's what I found really interesting for that was the sort of the fallout afterwards. Where was it? Um, the one of the big uh e agents blokes was on Will Greenwood's podcast and oh, basically really? said that they asked for thirty. They asked thirty-five like candidates to apply. And quite a lot of them, not least Warren Gatland and Joe Schmidt, basically told them to go fuck themselves. Um, and the sort of that the agent basically said that the prevailing sense was that the All Blacks had no intention of having anybody but Ian Foster take over, and it was a pure box ticking exercise. But because New Zealand didn't win the World Cup, there had to be a there had to be a sort of. A, mm. 
they have for the sake of appearances the New Zealand Rugby Union wanted to look like they were being thorough when in actual fact it was just let's interview a bunch of people and then give the job to the person that we would want to give the job to anyway and if that's the case which it does did kind of feel that way because I don't really see how you can look at anything that's gone on in rugby over the last couple of years and go yeah Ian Foster's absolutely the best man for the job it's that I think a lot of people I mean I'm sure a lot of people do know about it but I'm a bit like I don't really know much about him other than the fact that he's been an assistant at the All Blacks and obviously they want um, yeah and they want and this is what they do now that you are fully yeah, indoctrinated into the cult and yeah, you, you move up within it continuity over creativity I think has been the you know how you can overlook somebody like Scott Robertson who's won two Super Rugby titles on the bounce and, and looks break like dances and break dances and looks like the fuck to be fair the fucking future of what a rugby coach needs to be in terms of the and way and looks that like Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction and does look like Glenn Close actually that's a really and instead we're going to get you know we're going to get more of the same but I thought it was very interesting that he's been given a two year contract mm. and his contract runs out a couple of months after Warren Gatman gets finished with the Lions, so... I know, surely at that, at that job, you don't want 35 people to apply because anybody but, who you offer the job to is going to take it. So you just look at people's... the job they've done. That, I think that's and, the reason. And go out because and go, so do you want this job? Yeah. Yeah, because apparently they asked Vern Cotter to apply, they asked Schmidt to apply, they asked Gatland to apply, they asked Robertson. To, they asked basically any Kiwi coach they could get their hands on to apply. Cotter turned up in animal pelt, still dripping in blood, <laughs> and said, I'm not answering any questions. This is what I offer. Just throws a, a rabbit carcass <laughs> onto the table. <laughs> but yeah, you know, as you say, if you ask a 35 man sh- shortlist, if you can call it that, does not <laughs> no, smack, you can't call it not, that. No, you can't. Does not smack of a process that's being taken seriously. No. That smoke smacks them as going, well, we asked him to apply when anyone else is mentioned or they applied last time you know we've interviewed them we've interviewed everybody we've left no stone unturned and this man who was here all along is conveniently it's like when it's like when the Ospreys said that they were going to conduct a global (laughs) search to find a world-class coach to replace the last guy that fucked off and he happened to be sitting in the changing room as their forwards coach all along global is what we call the porter cabin out the back by the way that's the nickname we have for it it's it's all it's, it's miraculous how these these people who you know they look find all of the world they can't find anyone better than the guy who's already there. <laughs> yes, it's um, it's yeah. So he's 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 in charge now. So basically, it seems the All Blacks are a little bit like the Jehovah's Witnesses or something. It's, you, that it's only people who are already kind of in the church, you know, that get to, yeah, that get to be part of it. Or any other church, I suppose. I only yeah, said that because my uncle's a Jehovah's Witness and he doesn't speak to anybody but, <laughs> but other Jehovah's Witnesses. So, but I'm sure they're not, not all Jehovah's Witnesses like that. I don't know. I could I could know a lot of them and I've got no idea. So listen to me backpedaling like a big I'm soft just gonna, ass. I'm just going to let you carry on and on and see how deep this can go. Um, <laughs> edit. Just, let me just put weekend? an edit mark on that. Sorry. <laughs> should we talk about the weekend? No, I've got one more thing. Sorry. Oh, fucking hell. Sorry. Yeah, but it's just Doddy Weir winning the Helen Rollison Award. Yeah. I can't. I don't want to talk about it too much because I can't even look at him now without properly bubbling. I know what you mean. At all times. Yeah. And actually, it's... it was noticeable on Sunday what his voice is getting like now, and it was Wasn't completely fun, was it? inspirational and totally heartbreaking. Yeah. All at the same it's time. It's not. It's 
Because yeah, he's kind he's of everything, a... that bloke. He's lovely. He really is. He's funny. He's massive. He's huge. He wears his size and his hardness lightly. He's just great. And it's yeah. just, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I can feel myself no. going. No. So I'm not going to talk about it. But it was wonderful to see. And Princess Anne, you know, was very warm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Loves a rugby, though. Anyway. She does, so, to be fair. Um, anyway, yeah, so now we can talk about the weekend. Sorry, Josh. Go on. What yeah, happened this weekend, so, European weekend? Um, you, I'll tell you what I learned from this weekend. Yes. Um, the Champions Cup has gone a bit super rugby, isn't it? In the sense that, you know how a certain Explain. type of Northern Hemisphere <laughs> rugby fan gets very uppity about anything, like any kind of rule tweak or any innovation, because it's going to turn us into super rugby. Right. But look, look at some of the fucking score lines this weekend and tell me that European rugby hasn't effectively just become exactly the same as super rugby. Like, I'm not sure if it's prevalence of Southern Hemisphere coaches and players, uh, a reflection that tries are actually quite good, um, the death of good defence or just everything. But like four of the 10 games this weekend in the Champions Cup saw more than 50 points scored between the two sides. And two of them had 70. I'm like, this is the Champions Cup here. This is supposedly like the absolute pinnacle and, you know, highest echelon of European rugby and all the best teams are there. And teams are scoring 50 and conceding 20. And that's, you know, that's it fine. like, and it's fine. Apart yeah. from Glasgow versus La Rochelle, which should have been, which needed like, should have been played on a U-boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there will always be exceptions. Yes, but generally speaking, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's like, it's, it certainly get, makes games quite entertaining because you're seeing loads of tries, but there's a bit of me that's just like... Ugh. Is it, though? It's I mean, that, that Leinster-Northampton game, it was like a basketball. Every time Leinster yeah, got the ball, they scored. Like, I just find it underwhelming. And, like, the team on top of the Premiership should not be shipping the best part of 100 points over two games to the best team in Ireland, you yep. know? And that's not the fault of Leinster or Claremont or Racing or Exeter or any of these other teams that have battered people this weekend, you know, because that extra sale game should have been a lot more points um but it does feel like it's robbing the cup and these games of any real excitement or tension which i think was always the thing that made the heineken cup so exciting it was always like there were very few steamroller games you know there were very few games where one team was battering another team by 30 or 40 points even you know when you had still had sort of the Italian teams in it when they weren't very good and all that sort yeah. of stuff. It was, it never felt like there was that, that much level of sort of batterings. But now this year it feels like there's been quite a lot of batterings and quite a lot of one-sided games. And there's a clear sort of echelon of three or four teams who are much better than everybody else. And I don't know, it just... Maybe this, maybe this is why, as the Guardian reports today, there's sort of plans to reduce the size of the Champions Cup again and drop yeah. it down to 18 next year or the year after. Um, because clearly, there's a there's a big fucking us, you know, haves and have nots in European rugby, and the gap seems to be getting wider between teams like Leinster and Racing and Saracens and. And Exeter as well, and and Toulouse, you can throw in there. You know they're much better than everybody else, and it's start and Claremont throwing that in as well. You know, we've got an interesting interesting thing that's happening now is the battle for the kind of runners up places, isn't it? 
Yeah. That's Which I suppose in itself is, is not uninteresting. It's just not the way it's meant to be, is it? Yeah, with the exception of maybe... Actually, no, to be honest with you, even the Ospreys, Racing, Munster, Saracens group, which, you know, is in on paper insanely competitive, you know, Racing looked like they've pretty much run away with that group. You know, it's still nothing's... Yeah. But, you know, Leinster... Ulster and Claremont are kind well, of home and hosed in their group, aren't they? To lose yeah. a fucking well, streaking Leinster, head. Yeah, Leinster have qualified, you know, have qualified and no team has ever qualified before Christmas before and they've done it with two games to spare. Exeter have done it with two games to spare. It's... I don't know, it just feels... I think that's part of why I've not been that excited by the Champions Cup this year is it just, it genuinely feels like there's an echelon of teams that are just much better than everybody else that are just going to steamroller in, in their way into the last eight and then fucking fight it out between them. Once that knockout stage happens, then it'll be interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's you shouldn't judge any competition on a small sample. You know, every year no, you can have indeed. a dodgy one, can't it? But I think it's... Um, on the same time... Because it's not always like this. This is actually unusual. It is, but then at the same time, over the last 10 years, only three different teams have won the Champions Cup. Leinster, Saracens, and Toulon. Mm. And I would, it, you'd be a a brave betting man to bet against Leinster this season with the way that they've started. <laughs> it's, I don't, I just feel like there's a, a genuine worry that every year the Champions Cup seems to be getting less competitive in the group stages, and I think that they realise that as well. That's why they're talking about trimming the group stages because there's well, too many games Well, crowds will stop turning up, won't they? And stuff. Yeah. You can see there's not massive crowds turning up for a number of these games, is there? No. And that's just the ones in the Norman Saracens. Um. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, I just, I just, I, I look, I looked at the sort of watching the games this weekend and I, I, I actually ended up watching a lot of the games this weekend and like you say, that Leinster-Northampton game was fucking rubbish. Because it was just, it was like a big boy playing football with a bunch of toddlers a lot of the time. And Northampton are a good team and that shouldn't be the case. And I don't know how we level that playing field, but it feels like something has to happen to level it somehow. I mean, the weird thing is, if you look at the Champions Cup, or the Heineken Cup, in it's 25 years, only 10 teams have won it. Mm. And there are some of them that are quite clear outliers, like Breve and Ulster. Yeah. And North it was a lot more interesting in the first couple of years, yeah. and then the Irish, English, you know, well, Munster, Leinster, hmm. and Toulon and Saracens, and throw a bit of wasps in there as well. Kind of just basically have monopolized it ever since, really. Until oh, sorry, eleven, did you include Bath? Sorry, I missed Bath. But uh, anyway, well, of course. yeah, I mean, yeah. Toulouse have won four. So, you know, they're not yeah. fucking about, are they? But anyway, yeah, so it is interesting. I mean, what I will say this weekend as well, I, I'm, I'm not sure I understand what these back-to-back fixtures are for. Well, I think when it's competitive, and the textbook example is, you know, as much as neither of them were good games, and to be honest with you, both of them were bad games, you know, because the Champions Cup is supposed to be competitive, you know, yes. it's supposed to be like Saracen's Munster. You know where, you know, one team wins one week and then then you get yeah, to take a grudge a, thing and yeah, the week like after, that. and it becomes a, you know, it becomes like a little mini sort of home and away kind of a mini thing. tour sort of thing, yeah. 
Yeah, whereas... But the reality is that most of these games have just been, you know, quite one-sided or not very entertaining or both. And I mean, there's been some great moments in them. There's been some good rugby. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's not, you know, it sounds like they've been right miserable sods. Well, you know, well, you know, it was ever thus, wasn't it? But I mean, it sounds like they've been it's a bit miserable. Not, but the yeah. fact is, is that <clears throat> is that there's been some good rugby being played, especially, I mean, the weather was fucking terrible in some Absolutely, parts this weekend yeah. as well. So, but to be fair... And there's, it's a World Cup year, so it's always weird, isn't it? All bets are sort of off yeah. in the World Cup year, unless you're Ireland, Irish teams, of course, when... You've got an extra couple of weeks off, starters. <laughs> yeah, but obviously they're the ones who are kind of booking the trends, aren't they? And Exeter, yeah. I suppose. But, um, but interestingly, none of the Irish teams are going to be able to have any access to their World Cup stars for the Christmas derbies now um, in the Pro 14. Because they'll be counting shorts somewhere yeah, under Andy Farrell's BDI, is... yeah is an issue and you know so that because they've played them all through the champions cup which the you know welsh teams for example haven't and a lot of the english teams haven't as well they now won't be available for any of the christmas derbies which could well have a bit of a knock-on effect there it's yeah i mean it's it's interesting but it's i don't know i just i don't feel like the change from the heineken cup to the champions cup made anything better and i don't feel like the it's, I was well, there's the worry that it... France and England are not making enough money for a start, so they're not going to be yeah. particularly wedded really? to this for much longer. So it's hard. To, it's interesting to see what might become of it, really, especially with CVC eyeing everything up now. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, it's interesting. That the Heineken Cup seems to be something that the CVC is not interested in. And I want. I just. I, yeah, I do want. If you had a British, how... if it becomes a British league, why would you need a Heineken yeah, Cup? Exactly. And that's sorry, a British and Irish league. Sorry, uh, why would you need a Heineken yeah. Cup? You could just have, I don't know, like a Super Cup game every year or something. Yeah, it's it's certainly something that is going to shake out quite dramatically over the next couple of years, I think. Mm. But for the time being, it does feel like I really love European rugby and Europe. Some of my best rugby memories have been sort yes, of what indeed, European yeah. rugby I don't want it to go but I do find myself increasingly a little bit kind well, of the reason why it's good the reason is because it was special and interesting yes and I suppose mm-hmm. again I do keep coming back to a point it's not always like this feels like this season but it's actually the last the last week's round of fixtures was pretty good I think it's easy to, yeah, to swing from an... one place to the other so and it's still definitely a case that the games are yeah, the quality of rugby is very good. There's a lot of skill on show. Some of the games are very good and very interesting. But I like seeing rule, Ulster doing well. Yeah. I think Ulster doing. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, the yeah. package, as they're now known as, obviously Indeed. christened by you, the package yep. are doing very well. Full package. They, yeah, they are, and they they could go very deep into the the cup this year if if they can keep this up, which will be a nice change. Yes, but. Will it be like what yeah. year was it when Edinburgh played Ulster in the in the semis? Was um, that two thousand and nine, I want to say. Something like that. Yeah, it was the year when the uh, Ulster got to the was it when Ulster, Ulster got, got to the, the final, final and got yeah. absolutely humped by Leinster. <laughs> that sounds about right. But somebody, somebody's yeah. screaming what year it is now, aren't they? <laughs> we'll put it in Ulster um, Edinburgh. Keep talking. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just. <laughs> I just feel like something needs to change with these. The, I really like, you know, as as a team that would 
a supporter of a team that absolutely would not last very long in the Champions Cup if it was like a straight knock-on, knockout thing. I appreciate the value of group games, and yet at the same time, I, I just think as a spectator, would there would it make sense if we are going to have a British and Irish league and we are going to, if it was just a straight knockout thing, would it make it more interesting that way? I think it would do in terms of jeopardy, but it'd have to be seeded, wouldn't it? It'd have to be seeded, so you yeah. still might get a load of early rounds that weren't up to much. But then again, given it's the Heineken Cup, there's a number of teams that are in a kind of... Well, you'd have back-to-back fixtures the whole time if you did it that way. You could have two-legged knockouts. Yeah, I think it would have to be two-legged ones. Yeah. And that's the thing that I... I I'd I like to have a look at that. With... I mean, but whether the crowds would increase, would you could could you sell... I mean every sport's abandoned that as a format now because it seems that you can sell more games to TV if you've got more games, like in a group within a round robin. So, But I'd like to see it. Indeed. And you can also guarantee, you know, it also means that every team is guaranteed at least, you know, six games of European rugby to add mm. to their gate receipts the where you might only that, yeah. get one. But, you know, certainly from a... It's, it's, it's not going to be appealing to somebody like Munster where they won't sell out... You know they'll sell out every game and and could sell it out twice over probably, but if you're a Welsh region or if you're Saracens or somebody like that, you know the jeopardy of a win or go home situation does certainly add a a level of scarcity that's probably going to you know give them a much better chance to pack out Parker Scarlets or mm. you know the Liberty Stadium or Allianz Park or wherever or the you know or the Traitor Dome or whatever. It's yeah. I just I, I every week this season I've just come away with a feeling that there's something broken with the Champions Cup that doesn't make it as good as it used to be. And it was 20, I think something's going to change. It was 2012 and also to beat Edinburgh 22-19 in the no, semi-final. Yeah, it was a year after Leinster's ridiculous win against Northampton in 2011. Yeah. Um, just just because it's interesting to me, the the teams that day were Ulster, Stefan Terblanche, Andrew oh. Trimble, Darren Cave, Paddy Wallace, Craig Gilroy, Paddy Jackson, Ruin Pinar, Tom Court, Rory Best, Declan Fitzpatrick, Johan Muller, Dan Tui, Stephen Ferris, Willie Falloon, and Pedri Fannenberg. Edinburgh... I can- I completely forgot that uh, Stefan de Blanche played yes. for Ulster. He must have been ancient then, because he's 44 now. And it's interesting, repla- replacements for Ulster were... Basically, there were four replacements not used for Ulster. What a different <coughs> time that was. That never happens, yeah. Edinburgh, you know, you look at things and you think, I'm not sure I remember all these people. Edinburgh's fullback was Tom Brown, who I have no memory of. Um, no, I made a lot of school days jokes Wee! about him at the time, yeah. I think. Yeah. Lee Jones. Didn't he go to the Ospreys? No, Nicky Walker went to the Ospreys, didn't he? Lee Jones. Uh, no, he plays for Glasgow now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Nick DeLuca. Uh Matt Scott. Remember him? Tim Visser, of course, yeah. recently retired. Greg Laidlaw. Uh, at Standoff, by the way. At Standoff. Ooh. Mike Blair at, at Scrum Half. Alan Chunk Jacobson. Legend. Ross Ford, of course. Obviously. On his 78th cap for Scotland at that point. <laughs> uh, Jeff Cross, Grant Gilchrist, Sean Cox, David Denton, Ross Rennie, and Natani Talley. Replacements for Edinburgh 
Jim Thompson, who was quite blatantly a bloke who works on the bins, who they pulled in, I would imagine. Anyway, so there you go. Made up man, yeah. Roman Pot refereeing, so it just shows you what a different seven years make, eh? Yeah, just um, the fact they didn't use all the replacements. Anyway, should we talk about this weekend instead yeah. of a weekend? The Doctor, the Doctor, the Doctor. The Doctor scenario at Saracens versus Monster. I mean, the victim complex is getting results, apparently, because <laughs> they were... Like, Valstari's side was relatively full strength, and they were shite until the Monster Medic started to get up in Jamie George's grill about stuff. And then they just transformed into this, like, street-fighting bastard fueled by righteous indignation and burning injustice. And like, I don't know if you can rely on that every game, but there's an argument to be made that, like, disgraced champions of everything could ride that triple-cooked chip on their collective shoulder all the way to, to the final if they keep sort of being fueled by that level of chippiness. It's and of course, then, yeah. you had Marco Vernopolis swigging a water bottle in the middle of it, like, like some kind of Cold part. War Steve. Uh, yeah, thing. <laughs> I'm just gonna sip my drink and not worry about the affairs of these mortals. Um, it's gonna be it's a weird situation, though. It's gonna be interesting it? to see what happens with this doctor, right? Because well, they said it's yeah. one of the medical staff, so I'm assuming it's a doctor. Um, Euro Rugby can sanction him because he's an employee of the club, although they don't make their um regulations publicly available, unlike the RFU. But if it was the RFU, that an employee can be sanctioned. I imagine it'd be something simpler. But I, yeah. interestingly, I took a doctor's view on this, right. I, who I'm a friend with, and said, what does this mean for a doctor? Because allegedly he's called, allegedly, we don't know this, but the reports are saying that he's called Jamie George a fat cunt. Is that right? Uh, that is certainly the opening salvo, yes. Um, so he's been abusive and called him a fat but. Yeah, Saris Saris are also claiming that he said something disparaging about a member of George's family, which is what really set him off. Right. Um, so anyway, either I, way, I get in touch with the doctor, yeah. and I say, mm-hmm. "How does the doctoring view this being verbally abusive while on the job?" Basically, <laughs> and he said, "Well," and I thought, I, "I thought, well, I'll just confirm it because I can imagine what the answer is." But basically, he came back and said that. This doctor I know came back and said, look, the GMC's good medical practice is explicit in its expectation that doctors act with honesty, integrity, and that, that whatever they do keeps trust in the doctor, between the doctor and the doctor and the profession and the people that they serve. Verbal abuse is not tolerated and it's unprofessional. The doctor has no excuse in this scenario. Even if Jamie George provoked him, even if Jamie wasn't the patient, the doctor needs to remember what his role is. If a member of the public walked into my place of work and sh- was shouting at me in the waiting room, I'd be unhappy and I'd probably be angry, but I'd have to maintain professionalism and I'd have to deal with the scenario appropriately. This doctor's potentially on a very sticky wicket. So technically speaking, he could be grasped at the GMC for this and find himself Yikes. in a disciplinary or the Or indeed the Irish equivalent. Yeah. Yeah, of course. he's in, Well, I imagine it's no different. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry, what's a monster, doesn't he? But I imagine it's no different if you're an Irish doctor, to be honest, in terms of your code of conduct. No, so. and it does, yeah, it does sort of, when you put it like that, It. I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah, doctors are expected to not hold themselves. Not call people fat cunts not, when they're at work. Yeah, where, where in the GMC's <laughs> guidelines is a cover calling people cunts? <laughs> 
uh, on the job. To be honest, even if you're not on the job, if you are a doctor <laughs> and you get caught doing that piss in a pub somewhere, you could, te- you know, in theory, be pulled yeah. up in front of a disciplinary hearing for bringing the, the profession into disrepute. And that's true yeah. if you're a physio, if you're a social worker, if you're anything. You know, it's... it's if a- you're any job, you know, if you're any job that has any kind of public-facing situation, if you are seen to be behaving in a way that does not reflect the values of the organization or whatever it is that you work for in a sort in that kind of manner then yeah your employer is going to get involved it's different here though because whether your employer gets involved or not your employer could decide you're not it's not this it's not a sackable offense but you could with a professional body you're responsible to them as well yeah yeah so you know it's yeah it's that's the extra that's the extra sort of extra yeah. part because they're looking after everybody who's a member of your the... profession not just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's not just who employs you it's literally everyone that does your job yes yeah and you're not allowed to fuck that up for yeah, everybody I mean, but i think and we can't it let it be like tolerated it's... that you call people a cunt on man camera yikes i mean this could be the most expensive calling of someone a cunt that has happened in a <laughs> quite some time <laughs> it's yeah yeah it doesn't seem good, does it? It's not the lad who called Five Star on going live, is it? You know, this is slightly bigger bigger issues in this. One for the kids <laughs> there. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, so yeah, so he could be... So yeah, and I know it, it, he's an Irish doctor, this guy. I could look up the Irish Medical Council, whatever it is. I'm sorry, I, I kind of missed... I forgot about that. But anyway, it does say very clearly, paragraph 65 of the Good Medical Practice says, you must make sure that your conduct justifies your patient's trust in you and the public's trust in the profession. So he could, I'm Uh-oh. not saying he should be in trouble, by the way, you know, but the fact that he was at work, he wasn't drunk, you know, it was, there's not much mitigation That's the thing, here, it's not like he was, it's not like he was fucking wearing deck shoes in the crowd and yeah. calling someone a cut. And he'd been on it's, the piss you know, since the morning on his stag day or something, you know, it's a... Yeah, he was on, he was at work <laughs> and... He had a tab on and everything. Yeah, it's not a good look for him. Like, people are saying that uh, it's Sarah, you know, people are very understandably very quick to make this a it's Saracen's fault issue. And I sympathize with that because that is the prevailing theme of this season is that it is in some way Saracen's fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> in this case, however, regardless of what happened, fucking hell, it's not a good look for a doctor or a medic. Or a physio, or whatever. Or anybody, he is. to be honest, who's on the touchline, who isn't perhaps yeah, a substitute. That'd be bad enough. But who's uh... an employee of? I hadn't even thought about it from a sort of, meth, you know, medical professional sort of point of view. But just anybody who's employed by another team, and you know, it's it's something that I've heard people talk, say with, you know, it's something that happens with a lot of, off, you know sideline staff with rugby clubs but it's something that i have heard mentioned with in regards to munster is that they are not just the coaches and not just the players but their sort of sideline staff are very mouthy Hmm. and they like to give the referee and opposition players a full and frank appraisal of how they think the game's going um but this is not you know getting into it with an opposition player during a game is a kind regardless of what in it's what beyond way you're the norm isn't it by. it's way beyond yeah, the norm it's way, i mean it did produce one of the more convincing and entertaining scuffles that oh yeah it was a proper rammy yeah it was great i really yeah. enjoyed that that part i really enjoyed sorry down with um, this sort of thing it's not good for the game yeah, no, it was fucking brilliant and we loved it yeah 
loved it, fantastic. <laughs> but the, the the thing that sparked it, it, I mean, it's not good, is it? It's just not good. No. It's and you feel like something's got to be done slash said about it because I just we we cannot have this happening all the time. We can't have, you know non-playing members of staff getting into it with players during a game or after a game or before a game or at any point really like it kind of pisses in the rugby hashtag respect hashtag values kind of <laughs> chips if that sort of thing is going on so yeah not good just so but have you got any more for the weekend we want shit good um i think Exeter might have cracked it, you know. It's all about playing in Move. Who knew? Well, yeah, that kid is fucking wretched, isn't it? Isn't it? It's unbelievably bad. Like rain when you've forgotten your umbrella, right? Delayed trains, the proletariat voting for people who actively want to make their lives worse. There are many shit things in life that are so inevitable that it would almost feel weird if they didn't happen. And Exeter underwhelming and being a bit rubbish in Europe. Was one of those shitty constants. Yep. They all, they were always just half better. They were always going out in the group stages. They always just looked like they weren't a team that was like cut out for European rugby. And yet, fueled by their own personal brand of burning injustice that they're feeling this season for an, a, a related but different reason to Saracens, um, they, they look absolutely ready to have give Europe a seriously good crack this season. I'll be intrigued to see how it goes when they get to the knockout stages because there's not many teams that's going to want to go to Sandy Park. I'll tell you that for nothing. No, well, there never has been, has there? But from the European point of view, it was a slightly easier ask, but it's not now. Yeah. And, um, but then again, I suppose we said, we've said this, haven't we, about the process and the journey because if you look at Saracens for the first few years in Europe, yeah, it was not true, dissimilar. Actually. And again, you know, Rob Baxter is a... Rob Bexeter is, is a... Is a learning animal, isn't he? He's nothing if not er- yeah, forever getting is. better, that fella. And they've signed a lot of under-the-radar, horrible hard bastards this season, in the off-season, you know? And, and they've I still got like... really good, really good, like, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, bog-standardly brilliant players who just keep doing a job. People like Hill, the centre. Yeah. Who's just a bog-standardly fucking <laughs> great player. Never going <laughs> to play for England. Forget about it. Doesn't no, matter. Yeah. Does a fucking excellent job, yeah. Yeah. And who knew that having Stuart Hogg in your back line instead of Phil Dolman would improve matters? <laughs> I fucking miss Phil Dolman. <laughs> <laughs> he's still there. He's still he's still hovering around. It's just that He's still a... there. Is he 33 now or something? Still didn't get that Wales cap, yeah. either, poor bastard. Poor, but he was so close, wasn't he? They got injured last game his, of the season. Did his hammy it? in the Premiership final and missed out on the tour to... The USA last summer, the poor bastard. Oh, yeah, so there's that. Um, the other thing I learned is that Glasgow need to accept, right, that they are the Ospreys circa 2004 to 2012 and Europe is just it's just not for you, lads. Play just... a similar colour, see? Must be something about the colour. Well, Doesn't put Saracens Gla- off, though, does it? So No, back in the Glasgow era... There was no exaggeration that the Ospreys probably had one of the two or three deepest, most intimidating squads in Europe, right? Like Lions, Welsh internationals up the arse, fucking all blacks all over the place. Nicky Walker was there as well. Um, 
<laughs> was that a serious addition? But yeah, carry on. <laughs> it's they, almost uh, like yeah. caveat. I mean, Nicky Walker yeah, was there as well, but we could skate there. over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we won the Celtic League. We won the EDF Cup when it was actually a good competition. But when it came to the Heineken Cup, they like basically preempted the majority of Swansea going mega Brexit in 2016 by just getting <laughs> the fuck out of Europe as soon as possible. It was maddening every year. Like they were out in the group stages, they were out in the quarterfinals to inferior opposition. It made me fucking insane. Glasgow fans, you'll understand where I'm coming from here because this happens to you every season as well. But what I'm telling you is, I didn't realise at the time that my fairly consistent domestic success and European disappointment was a golden era, and uh, I so should have appreciated us being good a lot more than I did. So, Glasgow fans, I say this to you now, another year of being meh in Europe is frustrating, but you're a good team, and you could probably challenge for silverware this season and appreciate that shit, because it might not always be the case. No. Before you know it, you could be run by a bloke who used to run a pub. Yeah. And nobody knows who's in charge of you, so think about that. Yeah. And not being able to sack your coach yet. Still haven't sacked him. Don't know what's happening. <laughs> He'll be somewhere in the club doing a job I don't know. As, um, as the poor what we'd like you to do is uh, we'd like you to dress all of our Christmas cards. We'd um, like you to run our one-day mid-season stock take. What, with the squad? <laughs> no, you are literally no, taking all shop, of our stock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here is a clipboard. Go away, yeah. Um, as more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine, which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny Ultra Vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Right, so there you go. That was the weekend, yeah. such as it was. Um, we've got obviously really shit good now, which is the weekend as well. It's the weekend as well, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's all the weekend. So then, um, shall we do shit first? Because we always do, don't we? We do. I've stopped. I've stopped asking yeah. you now because that's just the way things are. Yeah, I, I sort of. I feel like I've worked through most of my shits from a sort of fundamental emotional point of view over the course of our chatting. But uh, the one shit I did just have was bath. What a bath for? <laughs> like, so people, so people can money. say it's a lovely ground. Have you been to Bath? It's a very lovely ground. It's a lovely place to watch rugby. Really it's nice. Not a lovely ground. It's 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 in a lovely location. That's what they mean. It's Sorry, yeah, it's a lovely, lovely place to watch rugby. Ground. It's awful. <laughs> Half of it is basically prefab and awful. Um. Anyway, what's the point in them? They spent all this money. All this money assembling this squad, and they're so bad still. They're just so mad. They're not even bad. At least if they'd be bad, they'd be funny. But <laughs> yes. it's the same with it's the same with Sale. They spent all this fucking money, and they still can't find a fucking fly off better than AJ McGinty. It's like, what are you doing? 
I watched a bit. I watched a big chunk of that sale game, and they just don't look like they've got any idea what they're trying to do. Literally, once like, the ball maybe... gets in the back, so you want to like, what, what I've got? I don't know what you're trying to do. I know you're playing <laughs> against Exeter, like... right? It's not easy. I know that. No, but honestly, it's... does anybody know what you're trying to do here? <laughs> and it's the thing, you know, they spent all that money in the summer on basically buying anyone, any South African forward that they could find, and transplanting them to Manchester, which as a strategy goes is not a bad one. And it did mean I could have an argument with John O'Rourke. Well, not really an argument, but a bit of a discussion with John O'Rourke this weekend. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I didn't see that. You, you know what he did that big fly? Well, he did, he did that big flying knee drop thing, didn't he? In the tackle yes, and got himself did, yeah. uh, a penalty, a restart penalty. Yeah. And as he was being told by the ref what this was all about, he was doing very much a kind of a sort of what I thought was a kind of incredulous shit-eating smirk. Yeah. And like, oh, you know, fuck's sake sort of thing, you know. He, so I tweeted. Was. Yeah. So I tweeted something like, John Ross's incredulous smirk can fuck off for a start. <laughs> so which, an hour after, half an hour after the game, John Ross, and I didn't tag him, John Ross responds with... Wow, name searching. Responds with, that's, that, well, well, that's rude. And I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, it was. That's why I did my tweet, yeah. And then I got a, then I got a huge, then I got a little bit of a mini pile on from, uh, but actually a couple of nice listeners who said, "Come on, John, it was lovely, leave him alone," and that's fair enough. But then some random started piling in, and somebody did come on at the end and said, "Don't worry, John, they just talk shit anyway." To which I said, "Well, that's absolutely fine and true. That's absolutely all right." Absolutely very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so if it wasn't for him signing big South African forwards, I wouldn't be having a bit of a Twitter discussion. Yeah. Oh, one but guy did was... respond saying that, yeah. I'd, uh, keyboard warriors or something. I bet they're the kind of people who thought that Corbyn was going to do this. I was like, <laughs> did actually respond with, Jesus Christ, you've gone from play, defending a player playing rugby to Jeremy Corbyn in one sentence. It's That's incredible. Anyway, one I'll talk about that, but that was quite an amusing because yeah. I don't normally get any kind of contact from players and don't desire it, but there you go. That's what happens. But he Preach. seemed, John, I seemed to take it all right anyway. Yeah. So sorry, where were where were we then? I do apologise. Uh, I think we were just saying, what are the point of sale signing all these fucking yeah. problem players? And it's linked to Bath being fucking dreadful. Yeah. Owen Glendoon going to it said shit is everything to about Bath not... under the clueless Stuart Hooper. Yeah. And another one What's... for the kids, by the way. I've noticed how much he looks a little bit like Bella Emberg in the face. Who was Russ Abbott's side? Look at Bella. You might not remember it, ladies and gentlemen, right? Look up Bella Emberg's like face and look at the nose and the mouth. Oh my god, what a pull. And what you will see that deep you will pull. see what I am talking about. But you'd Isn't have to she know dead now. now. Yes. But obviously I mean, she was and she was a woman, but she she had a very similar face to Stuart Hooper. Absolutely she did, yeah. Oh, she only died in January. Yeah, it was quite recent. Wow. Legend. Exactly. She was blunder woman, of course, to Russ Abbott's yes, Cooper man. Yes. Russ Abbott. <laughs> oh. Cooperman, Basildon Bond. I mean, let's be honest, we have never been more relevant than we are in this exact <laughs> moment. I've, oh, I haven't got my phone plugged in a couple of atmosphere by Russ Abbott, couldn't I? But I haven't got it plugged in. <laughs> you could, if only you could. If only I could. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so Bath are ter- terrible. I mean, they got fucking thumped again this weekend, didn't they? And I know it's Claremont, yeah. right? And I know it was at Claremont, so fair enough. But even so. And they got thumped at home against yeah, Claremont last week as well. And they spent so much good. fucking yeah. money. So much fucking money. And it's just... what There's so much money being spunked up the wall for zero, like, from a cost-benefit analysis point of view. <laughs> there's an awful lot of cost and not a lot of benefit. 
with some of those teams in the lower echelons of the Premiership at the moment. I mean, Alec Brew was playing Sunday, even he couldn't pull it out of the bag for him. I mean, if Alec can't, then who can, frankly? I mean, it's not a brilliant team they, they put out on Sunday, tomorrow. it's like they've given up. Yeah, I feel like they just honestly can't be fucked. I feel like Jamie Roberts can't be fucked anymore. Like, he's just <laughs> waiting for it to just finish. Can I just go and work in the media now? Please. <laughs> yeah, can I just not can go back to selling deck shares outside my house in Bath? Which is a thing that he actually did last summer. Is it? Um, he set up. He set up. He set up a business hiring out uh, deck chairs because he lives on. Does he live near the uh, park or something? He lives in St James's uh, on the parade thing, whatever the fuck it's called, the Royal Crescent, right? Um, which is the the bit on, they always put on postcards. Yeah, yeah, I know um, of it. Yeah, and there's a nice there's a nice bit of green outside it, and him him and his missus and a mate set up this business where they were renting out deck chairs on the grass outside their house. You um, tight people, bastards. For, for posh cunts to basically come and sit and have some strawberries like and champagne in the sunshine. Like sell a parking space in their drive near Twickenham. It's, it's exactly that, yeah. But with deck chairs. And to be fair to Jamie, he's just basically seen a middle-class you know, gap in the market and he's got right in there. You've got to hand it to him in that regard. What else have we got this shit from the weekend then? James Franklin gets in touch and says, shit is Gloucester. I mean, for fuck's sake. And Patricia says, she said we it was good, but that, linked yeah. to it. She said, good was the comforting eternal truth that Gloucester will always find a way to Gloucester. I fucking love them. Honestly, I love them so much. It was just so, like, I, I switched off. Like, I didn't actually physically switch off, but I was doing something else. <laughs> Yes. Um, in the last ten minutes of that game, because I was like, "Oh well, this is done, isn't it?" And then I sort of looked up from whatever else I was doing and saw Connacht going over the line for the winning try. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> how how on earth did that happen? I need to rewind that very quickly." I mean, fair play to Connacht, incredible effort. What a fuck though, Gloucester. Seriously, what the fuck? Like. Yeah. Why you make it so? Why you make it so hard? <laughs> why? Because they're wonderful. They're absolutely I mean, it wonderful. Is great. It's just, <laughs> and they've got a back rower called Lewis Ludlow coming through now. So, and I desperately want him and Lewis Ludlow both to play for England because that would be <laughs> fucking amazing, or to end up in the same squad at some point. Come on, make it happen. Commentator's absolute nightmare. What else have we got this shit? Curtis Neese gets in touch. He said, shit, it was Bristol Bears versus Stade Francais. I've never, if ever I've seen two teams do a level best to piss a game up a tree, it was them two. Uh, it was, I was also watching that game and um, it was, it was not good. <laughs> it, it, I mean, Bristol, fair play to them. They managed to get the, get out of it with the win in the end. Good for them. But it was a. I was putting together a flat pack wardrobe watching that, and it was just more entertaining than whatever the hell was going on on the pitch. It was just two teams. Bristol have been very good this season. They absolutely were not good. I don't know what they just did not seem like. They they had that thing where you remember when the Ospreys played um, Stade Francais in the quarterfinal of the Challenge Cup a couple of years ago, and they'd like won everything in the group, and then they played Stade Francais. And Stafford just dragged them down to a level of anti-rugby that made me just hate everything. 
it was a bit like that. Mm. It was like the sort of free-flowing, exciting Bristol Bears were replaced by just this team that just like seemingly had lost into their, their hands. quicksand, basically. I think you do a bit, yeah. It was just not good, though. It was bad. Yes, so, and Andy Jolly gets in touch and said, shit, is Rob Howley. All of his knowledge and insider stuff, and he's still four grand down. <laughs> I mean... I don't want to joke about yeah. it, because he's obviously been quite... Reading that judgment, he's obviously quite affected by everything that's happened. But yeah, come on. I mean, it's yeah. it's bang on his brand, though, isn't it? Access to all the knowledge and all the resources in the world, and somehow still comes up a bit short. Bless him. Rugby chaos, isn't it? Never knows <laughs> what's going to happen. chaos, yeah. Um, Harry Baldy Jones gets in touch and says that shit is the primeval darkness of a Glasgow home match. Are the lights actually pointing upwards? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a particularly, particularly bad uh, night, wasn't it? Day, night. It wasn't, yeah. Weekend. It, it didn't, didn't know. <laughs> Ian McGilp says shit is Rob Howley, but good is Doddy Weir. Frankly, we don't deserve either of them in entirely different ways. Yes. Mm. Any more shit from you? Uh, no, I think we basically covered a lot of my shits. Cool. What have we got that's good? Sean Troy gets in touch. He says she he says good is being a Leinster fan at the moment. I fucking bet it is. Yeah. It's hard to know when um, it ends either. It looks like it, it looks I inevitable. It ends, I think it it ends with them lifting a trophy in, in May or whenever the fuck the final is this year. Uh good for me is your man John Cooney. Oh, again. Lad cannot slide. I'm absolutely not in the lad in good form should instantly be handed no. the test jersey at the next available opportunity. However, he's playing pretty fucking well at the moment. It's almost like he's <laughs> trying to make a point, isn't it? Yeah. You know, compared with how Connor Murray's playing as well, mm. and given the fact that Farrell seems to have called up every fucking scrum half in Ireland to the, you know, mid-season fire sale, it... It does. It screams that there's maybe a thinking in his mind that there needs to be a, a, a conversation about what happens with the nine jersey. And if he, if that is the case, if he's not at the absolutely at the front of the queue, I don't know what he's got to do because he can't play much better than he's playing at the moment. Yes. Well, well yeah. right. So good. Tony Sylvester says good. Calvasano players giving lots of time to chew the fat with Tigers fans after the game. They only just won that last year as well. Especially yeah. those Sam Venisa who went above and beyond. He said, plus also the legend that is Paul Griffin, whose chops are as fluffy as when he pulled on the Italy jersey. He's just a bit thinner now. <laughs> There's a picture of Paul Griffin here. And yeah. he's wearing he's wearing large cargo shorts. Into Ra- it. Wife beater wraparound sunglasses. Nice. And his hair is still big chops, but obviously not in the he doesn't have the dreads anymore. I was going to say, has he still got the dreads? No, he looks... Oh, uh, bloody hell, I just found a photo of him. He looks like a Wales player from the 70s. He looks a bit like JPR. Yeah. He also looks a little bit like if you spliced Arthur Scargill with Noddy Holder. (laughs) My God, Noddy Holder is the one, that's what I was... It's like, he fucking looks like somebody. (laughs) He's fucking pure... I don't know if we're looking at the same photo. But holy shit, he has got mega Noddy Holder vibes. We've big <laughs> style. Sorry, while we're on, I've had an update through that we've had a review for the podcast. Oh, I I always enjoy these. Yeah, listen to this. Excellent. Yeah. It says. Good. Five stars. <laughs> yep. 
all I care about. Big Lol has really developed as a presenter in the last few weeks. Solid analysis, good humour and thoughtful insights. Barnes is also excellent. This review will self-destruct to one star once Stephen Jones returns. Let's save controversy for the sake of it to Katie Hopkins. I mean, he's reviewed the wrong podcast, so <laughs> but I'll take the five stars, don't give a fuck. <laughs> Somebody's literally come onto our podcast on Apple and reviewed The Rock from The Times, which I think is quite possibly my favourite <laughs> review ever. I mean, if, if a few more people who are downloading The Rock from The Times can download this podcast as well, I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt our ad revenue. What I do really <laughs> want to do, I want people to read that review if they do and go, oh, I'll have a listen to this. Yeah, where the fuck is Lawrence Delalio? I want that. Who are these fuckers? Yeah, (laughs) who are these miserable bastards? And what are they talking about? Who gives a shit about massages? Can you you imagine Stephen Jones, Stuart Barnes, and Lawrence Delalio talking about their favourite massages? I mean, that is an absolute fucking. Imagine the opinions Jones would have on them. I told her, I, I mean, said, I've got no fucking knots in my shoulders. How fucking dare you? Uh, anyway. He's still going hard on the <laughs> Saracens are blameless special flowers thing, despite all the mockery. He'll now say that because of all the mockery, there's been a, you know, a toxic environment, a hostile environment created around Saracens, and that's why this has happened, that it's all the fault of uh, Premiership Rugby. Yeah, well, I completely agree with him there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Phillips gets in touch. He says, good is the return... Jamie Phillips, friend of the pod, Jamie Phillips. He says, good, the return of Corey Hill after 10 months out of action. Agreed. He was only supposed to play 50 minutes, but Dean Ryan kept him on for the full 80. He played his part for the Dragons in a good win over a strong Worcester team. Indeed. As an aside, talking about kits, I am very much loving, and I'm sorry if this is an unpopular opinion, I'm very much loving the... Holland Euro 88 Dragons kit, by the way. Completely agree. Yeah. It's magnificent. It is apparently, it is apparently heavily, like the design, they've literally just gone, the design's gone, I, we're going to reference old football kits. And so, <sighs> that's wonderful. This one is, yeah, yeah. it is the Holland iconic. 88. Absolutely iconic. I love it. I think it looks fantastic. One of the most expensive original retro shirts you can try and get your hands on. Holland is it Euro really? 88, yeah. That and Denmark 86 are the absolute fucking oh, well, 1959 yeah. Les Paul bursts of the retro uh, <laughs> football shirt world. Which absolutely makes sense to me, but uh, might not to a lot of our listeners, <laughs> rather. But uh, hey, uh, what do we got here? Hells gets in touch. That's CF10 Hells. And she says, Good is Cardiff RFC's unbeaten run. That's Cardiff RFC, not the Blues, I take it. Uh, yes. Shit is a lack of TMO in the European Challenge Cup. Well, honestly, that is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, no TMO in. I know it's the second tier competition, but nothing makes it seem more like the joke it is than no fucking TMOs at some games. It's ridiculous. Why should I care about it if the body that runs it can't even be bothered to send enough officials to do it? Exactly. Uh, yeah, Rob Warlow gets in touch. Says, "Good, Scarlet's youth coming through the through the ranks." He said also good is PRUFC Juggers winning the gin bottle. I'm assuming that's an inside joke, Rob, but I'm I'm glad I'm very happy for you. Yeah, good for you, mate. <laughs> Hugo Gordon says good is Jordan Lama being able to step you in a phone box if only he was old enough to know what they are. Yes, very good. <laughs> he said also good is the Irish teams in general. They really look like they've left the World Cup behind them. Yes, discussed that a little bit before. He is very good. I I fancy I fancy Jordan Lama in the next next year. 
I don't like to use the L word, but I, I do genuinely think he could be the front runner for uh, that particular I think shirt. He abs- I think he absolutely could become a bit of a star on the international scene. And let's leave it at that. Yes. Colin McBride gets in touch and said, good, is Ulster's first try against twin, Quinn Twins? Yes. <laughs> against Twins. They weren't playing Quinn. sale. Yeah. Ulster's first try against Quinns. Lovely strike in the scrum. Good work off the back of the scrum. And Cutsey and Cooney. Nice break from Burns and lovely timing on every pass for that. Yes, it was a lovely, lovely, lovely thing. It was a really, really nice score. They're just, they're just doing everything at the moment, aren't they, Ulster? It's like... Yeah, I, they're just yeah, they, proper, proper. They sort of yeah. they they're, they're entering into second team territory, you know, where it's like they just play. They seem like a nice bunch of lads. McCloskey's sort of turning himself into the complete centre mm. all of a sudden, and I just yeah yeah, I really like watching them. Ten Ep says good is if you're playing against Saracens or England, the sledging opportunities now present themselves, knowing how sensitive their hooker is about his weight. Yeah, although. He's probably heard that before. I think the point you were making is that the latest rumour is that something was said about a member of his family. That is Which I suppose is still a good sledging opportunity, I suppose, out. if you don't give a shit. But yeah, I'm assuming he's been called a, ch- a tubby get before. Yeah, I would imagine so, given that he is one of the tubbiest looking professional athletes I've ever seen, given that he's an incredible athlete. It doesn't make any sense. I've, We've discussed this. Yeah, We've baffling. discussed this before. Baffling how you can he be, you can run sense. around that much and still be that chubby. <laughs> Alex Donbrand's like that, isn't it? It's like, how are you still a bit chubby? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. At least with Waldron, he was in his 30s, so I understood it. But Donbrand's <laughs> yeah, a young man. Like, I felt, yeah, like I felt there was a time in his life where, it's the same with, you know, Ben Morgan did not always look as plump as he no. does now. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's in his 30s yeah. now, fair enough. He's just getting a but, bit of muffin yeah. top coming with the age. We've all, we've all, we all know what we know what that's like, don't we? Yeah, but then again, like someone, you know, somebody's like, oh, you know, he's young, he's still got a bit of puppy fat on him. It's like, at what point is it unacceptable to be a little bit chubby? Is it between the ages of about 23 and 29? <laughs> yes, let's just say yeah, that. Let the word go it. forth that's from it. here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, good. Owen Glendora says literally everything about Claremont, but Penno in particular. Yeah, he was filthy good. Please play him at centre for France. Please play him at centre for France. <sighs> play him at centre for France and put Tower and Racker on the wings. Yeah. And get Vakatawa well, coming in honest, off his way. To be fair to Vakatawa at 13, he's not been playing bad for Rassing either. So. either. To be fair. Just play them all. Just play seven centres. <laughs> be done with it. Um, Dave McGee says, good is how many lineouts have been stolen over the last two weekends? It makes the game more exciting. Can't say I've noticed that, Dave. I'm taking your word for it. It's just that I've not, I've not paid much attention to it. I haven't noticed it, but I am big for I would like to see less... Set pieces. Less certainty of set piece outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want more turned over scrums and I want more turned over lineouts. Jay Feehan says, good is Cooney still. Yes, Ringrose, Lama and this new look Irish training squad. Mm. Well, they're not actually doing any training, mate. So I think you find that they're just literally there. They're literally there to count the stock. Uh, Still having Conan, Levy and Murphy potentially available for back roaches. Yeah, that's true, actually. That is true. You forget about that, don't you? Any more goods from you? No. Well, actually, the only good I'm going to say is one more good, and that's Leslie Klim, Namibian international winger who signed for the Ospreys last season, played exactly zero minutes last season because he got himself injured literally the day he turned up, um, and has finally had a couple of games and scored two very, very nice tries on Friday night uh, in 
the weird Racing Pleasure Dome. Um, and I was very pleased for him because he's had a fucking rough year and you did sort of wonder if he was one of those players that would disappear without a trace. And he looked extremely, extremely happy when he scored, and rightly so. The Ospreys look better on the pitch than they have a right to do. Yes. You know what I mean? They don't it's, look good, but they look better on the pitch than they have a right to do. Yeah, for the, given the shambles that's going on everywhere, the injuries that they have and all of that stuff, they were remarkably okay at times. And uh, what's his face? Damien McKenzie's brother looks like a fly-off, which is more than you can say for Luke Price. Mm. So. That's us. Yeah. We will be back next weekend. I think we'll probably record it on the Sunday evening because I'm going away. Christmas, isn't it? Christmas, Christmas. so I've got to be packing Monday and all that shit. So Indeed. thanks, everybody. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks for all your submissions, and thanks for listening, and thanks for your Patreon support, and see you soon. Ta-da. Ta-da. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.